back again for a new season of the audio podcast. This week in show number 69, bang, season starts, we talk interfaces, we talk anniversaries, there are even some shotguns, there's a regular face reappearing and a regular face missing. Ooh, see what's going to unfold in the audio podcast. Hear that? Can you hear that rumbling in the distance? It's coming closer. It's coming closer. It's the... Bang season starts. I'm, I, I don't know if there's supposed to be an exclamation there. An exclamation mark. Bang season starts. Or That's is it the bang season? Who knows? Oh, wow. I don't know. I mean, who came up with the name? Was it Scott? It was Scott, yeah. Uh, no. So uh, let's explain what's going on here. Scott is away um, at ICMC, which we think is in Lithuania this year, but we're not no, sure. Oh, no, it's in Slovenia. Slovenia, okay. It's, yeah. Apologies for that error. Um, so this week we have myself, Adam Jansch, and... Samuel Freeman, I'm back. Hello. Way. The audio podcast has been away for a couple of weeks, and I've been away for a couple of weeks longer than that. Hey, we're back, it's and good, um, as unprepared as ever. Excellent to see you again. It is good to be back, and I'm in a new space. This is a temporary place, but I'm here, and it's all good. We have internet and, for, and everything. For you audio-only listeners, uh, the wall behind Sam right now is very red. Very, very red, red indeed. So, uh, yeah, you, you might be being saved your eyes by just listening. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, yes, we're going to get started. Um, I, I don't know what the, apart from the season starts thing, I don't really know if there's much significance behind the title, so maybe we should just get going um, and start with the news section. The news. So, this is, I think we've tried to keep the news as things that have happened in the past week rather than the past three weeks, and then there's some older stuff in the plunder. So, the first currency thing is that PreSonus are um, giving free upgrades if you buy one of their enormous desks. So the Studio Live desks, which are 16 or 24 channels, if you buy that, which bundles with Studio One Artist, you can get a free upgrade to the Studio One producer thing, which would normally cost you 200 quid or dollars or whatever so that is excellent that is excellent now actually uh last week i did install studio one uh professional uh mm. the free trial and had a little play with it and actually yeah i was kind of like not too bad i'm kind of it's interesting because it's nice and simple but it has just about all the things there that i that i i use myself and it's got a good healthy set of effects the routing's kind of interesting so as a software program i'm very interested in keeping going with the demo and seeing what what can come with it um as for the mixing desks i had a look at them online and uh they look pretty powerful are those uh, like oled um screens they have above the faders yeah, so above the fader, they've got this section which they call the fat channel or something like that. And I haven't got that. Actually, if I go to the thing, let's check. Let's, let's use the proper thing. Yeah. Oh, I haven't got that. Okay. Um, yeah, I think they call it the fat channel. So you've got a channel strip at the bottom for each of your channels, and then at the top, you've got the gains. 
for all of those things. But then in the middle, you've got this fat channel, which has got all of the EQ and compressor and everything. And so above the top of the faders, you've got your mute and solo plus select buttons, and you can select which one channel you're looking at at a time to have encoders for all the settings. So instead of everything being through tiny windows, you've got hands-on control to one channel at a time, and you flick between them. And these are Firewire connected to the to your computer, so the, to get the in and out. Because yes, that's right. Because they're not just mixing desks; they're also audio interfaces in the vein of that kind of product that's been around for quite a while. So very probably very useful for the live side. One thing I thought was Firewire. That's interesting because now audio interfaces are moving towards USB, and I guess in the year uh, next year or the year after, we'll be looking at Thunderbolt. So is Firewire going to be an issue if you want to keep this desk for, say, 10 years or something like that? I don't think so. I think that the the mythical adapters that will let you change from one to the other, from Firewire to... Um, well, they're not that mythical. You do, you do exist. I think that they'll be, become more available. I think it'll be all right. I like your so much of this, there's so much of this stuff around, and like, I don't know, Firewire 400 onto 800 works perfectly fine, and so no problems then. I like I like your optimism. I like it. It's good. Yeah. If it were a USB thing, I think we'd be a little bit more. Oh, I don't know, but Firewire is pretty rock solid. So that's the free upgrade to Studio Live. Um, uh, for Studio Live Mixer customers to uh, a, a better version of Studio One. Um, we can follow that up with the uh, the Universal Audio, Audio Annual Promotion. Now, I've never heard of this. Is this the first time they've done this, or is it actually an annual thing? Keep going, Adam. It's all broken up. I don't know what you just said, but I'm sure it'll reconnect. Oh. Yes, yes, I, I just had you pause. I said something. Um, the Universal Audio Annual Promotion, is this the first year they've done it? Is it a, a, a rolling thing, or are they just starting off? Who knows? I haven't had a chance to look up if it existed last year, but next year we'll be able to look back in the show notes and find it. I don't remember mentioning it last year, but we talk about so many things. So what, what is the promotion? The promotion is save 20% on stuff. Um, it's, it's particular plugins of theirs, which I think are more geared towards emulations of things like um, tape emulation, Studio Ampex uh, plugins, uh, and other kinds of things. So maybe not. Ev I don't think it's every plugin they do, mm -hmm. but there are very certain particular plugins of theirs that are in the. Uh, offer and they say that you don't need a code. All you have to do is put the uh, particular plugin that has the offer on it into your basket, and the twenty percent is automatically applied. That's nice. That's like and this go yeah, and the same as with the PreSonus thing. These are both available to the end of September twenty twelve. Oh, so uh, what are we on the, now? We're on the tenth. So you have three weeks, people. Three <laughs> weeks. Excellent. Now, this is one that I put in. Um, so this year, uh, in fact, just recently, uh, probably a few days ago, marked the 100th, or would have marked the 100th birthday of John Cage, experimental composer John Cage. Um, and to mark this, a uh, prepared piano app has been released for uh, iOS devices, um, iPhone, iPad, and also for Android. 
so that kind of marks uh, John Cage's 100th birthday. Mm. Um, ha have you had a look at this one? I've had a little look. Um, but right now I've opened the wrong tab. <laughs> I'm looking at sonatas and interludes, which is what the prepared piano things are, but I can't tell you anything about the app right now because it's not on my screen. Well, it looks like there are two versions. There's a free version, which is kind of limited, and then there's a paid version. Um, uh, and I think it's really geared towards a very particular part because John Cage's repertoire really covers... Um, it was a really he was conceptual he had a concept of what he wanted to do but he tended to manifest it in many different ways so I think this app really focuses on the prepared piano thing which is something he's really known for but is one slice of John Cage so that's the Cage prepared piano app um, of course if you'd like to link through to any of these things to find out where they are, we're not going to read them out to you now because uh, no one likes listening to links being read to them. Head to, oh, I'm just about to say a link, aren't I? Um, head to theaudiopodcast.co.uk, um, go to show69, and all of the links are there for you to click on, and you can look back at the show notes. I mean, we're basically running off them right now, so, you know, it's long. Guaranteed. So cool. yeah, uh, audio audiopodcast.co.uk. What's next, Sam? Um, well, we've got new interfaces. So this time we are in USB land, and um, Focusrite have two new interfaces out: the Forte and the iTrack Solo. So Indeed. the the Forte is a two in four out thing. Um, it's <laughs> another one that has these little L O L E D kind of they look like they're just like normal meters but I think they do a lot more than just um, they're, they're more than just just lights they're actual proper screens in there and you know what uh, can you tell me what you think that looks like the forte well it looks like the um, old apogee thing isn't it like, it looks a little bit like, like yeah it looks a little bit like an apogee duet so uh, you know I think uh, there's there's a little bit of uh, wink wink nice design we're going to kind of borrow that from you but i think there's probably lots of interfaces out there that have like although the apogee thing is kind of sticks in the mind mostly I've, much the older native instruments thing the one that sam burkett's got that's got a single big controller on the top as well hasn't it so oh, it's, yeah 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 you know I don't, that's definitely older I, um, than the apogee i know ones, what so. one you're, you're talking about it's interesting to note a little little side away from the news here um i was thinking this when i was looking at these interfaces and the the, the one that we're going to talk about after the focus right ones in the last i don't know what three or four years interface design is really gone up a notch. It used to always just be one U racks. It was uh, or it was rack based. So one U, two U rack, or half U rack, and all the controls were on the front. All of the connectivity was on the back. Now we're getting this to this point where we've got kind of desktop type controllers. A lot more of them. Ones that are raked, angled. What's that one that it might be the Native Instruments one um, that looks like? It's a wedge, but it looks amazing. It's like milled aluminium, and it just looks incredible. Maybe no, maybe that's a propeller heads one. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, the the balance is kind of like a right angle. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Looks fantastic. And um, Apogee, of course, are, are doing these uh, different kinds of design. Um, we're thinking about not having to have all of these 
interface is actually plugged into a rack, but you can have them on your desktop and have the controllability of them right by your hand. And I think that's a, it's an interesting thing to see how the audio interfaces have been moving from the rack towards the desktop and also to make them portable. So the portability and the fact that they, you know, they've been sold on their aesthetic design as something to look at and have next to you on your desk or on the, when you're performing or whatever, whatever it is, it's something that you want to have and touch. It's something that you're going to be dealing with a lot. You, yeah, people are not working in racks so much these days, perhaps, or at least there's probably more of a market of the... Yeah. I mean, still, you still do get the rack things, of course, but these the types of stuff well, you're yeah. referring to is the desktop based. And I, I think there's a lot of the the way they're made it, it's like saying look we've designed this one and it looks like nothing else and you know that's one way to tear someone away from uh, a one new rack that just sits there and looks ugly on your desk and it's like oh look at this this is actually something significant this is and, and this is you link this directly to our company so it's kind of it's nice to see a bit of uh, creative design coming in there unfortunately the other focus right interface that we're going to talk about now the iTrack solo um, looks a little bit like like an old M audio type one that you'd buy in an, in an Apple store um, <laughs> so you know, Focusrite have got a, a kind of nice new design, and then they've kind of stuck with an old school. Looks like a, th a half or third width one new rack type thing, um, but I think it's a slightly different. Uh, do you know what the details are on this iTrack solo? So it's got one microphone preamp plus a line in which you can plug a guitar in should you want to. So that's a, that's quite an interesting combination. I mean, it's quite an obvious thing, like they. Plugging it as ideal for guitars and vocal, but it's you don't you often get you know two microphone preamps with the combi things on them. But here they've gone for dedicated one preamp, one line in. So, and then on the output, I think it's just stereo, but I haven't got the details on that place to have. Oh, well, it would have to be at least stereo. But only stereo rather than having other options. Having so this is a, a proper, let's just sling it in your bag and you can record your guitar in the park if you really wanted to type. I mean, they they used to try and sell audio interfaces on that ideal and I just don't think people work like that. Except that this is for your iPad. Ah, ah. This is specifically, this is not a USB interface, so it you know, probably is under the hood, as it were, but it's connecting to an iPad. That's what ah, it's made for. Right, so that's the, uh, that's the swing. That's why this is the USP of the, of the Focusrite iTrack Solo, I imagine. Mm. And, um, we, you know, we will follow this up with, we were just talking about the Apogee Duet and how, you know, it's, it's a, a really bold design and how the Forte, the uh, Focusrite Forte, kind of rips off the design a little bit. It doesn't really rip off. It's more paying homage, I'd say. It's not, like, really blatant. Um, Apogee have also, or, or have, or, or will be releasing, what they've announced this week, um, the Apogee Quartet, which is actually a bit more than two duos put together. Yeah, um, so here you've got four preamps, 
which they're saying are good. Um, and then you've also got ADAP in and out, so that's a ah, lot of. Let me stop you right there. Are you ADAP, ADAP in is it, only. Is it just ADAP in? Sorry. Just oh, yeah. In. And then, yeah, I, I saw the back panel and I was like, oh, okay, ADAP in out. Then I looked at the text and it was just digital in. And it's got two ports, so it can do SMUX. SMUX. Uh, but only on the input. And so for the output, you've got six analog outputs, which is enough to do 5.1. I think like Motu, they count their uh, their headphone out as a uh, a pair of outputs too. So um, makes it eight in the end. Okay. Um, but again, I mean, this is like we were just talking about a, a kind of new kind of design, raked up kind of wedge shaped thing with the nice um, OLED meters on the side, a nice big dial on the right hand, right hand side and you can just whack it down next to your computer and it's there. And, yep. uh, and, alone, and there's, there's, um, there's, there's touch buttons on there so in below the LED displays there is touch controls for accessing other parts. Yes, you're right. To set That's right, because you know, it's, it's, it's numbered, isn't it? There are four numbers. Are those pre... Can, can you assign those to... There's three... There's the ones that are numbered 1, 2, 3, 4 are fixed, and then there's two others to do the output that, that are fixed, but then there's... Is it A, B, and C the labels? I've, I've only got the mini picture up right now, um, but they are assignable, so you can... So there is three assignable button like touch pads touch buttons touch points excellent and yeah. the one thing about oh the other thing to mention it's usb but it's uh, supposedly mac only at this time yeah um, i think all of the apogee stuff is mac only isn't it it's, like, it might some, be, seems maybe to be like their philosophy is just to not not even bother trying to make it cross-platform well i could be yeah. wrong about their other products but i remember that it's definitely something like i've like the, the duo and stuff was well this one is definitely mac only well and the other thing we can say about apogee uh, products is that they're high quality and they come with a high quality price tag what is the price the projected price for the apogee quartet well either in euros or dollars they're asking for 1295 of them <sighs> so uh, that's a, a decent whack but you'll get I'm sure you'll get the quality. You'll you'll get the uh, the, the reason why it's so expensive. I, I know people who have who who have the duet and they say it's just amazing, like stunning quality and all this kind of thing. So and that gives you two preamps, doesn't it? Yes, and this is uh, double that, and you get uh, you can plug more in via the ADAT, of course. So if you want to run um, some kind of converter you can put eight or four depending on what version of ADAT you're going to run okay so we come to the end of hardware but oh no we don't come to the end of hardware because uh, the, the last item in the news is very 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 hardware and I it didn't twig until just now take it away Sam um, Korg UK are um, celebrating 10 years of their micro Korg. So it was 2002 when the micro Korg was first released, and when it was five years old, they did the special edition reverse coloured keys thing with the black and white on the keys reverse. And now that they've got to 10 years, they've got a limited edition um, colour variations. So they've got red and black or black and black on all oh. of their micro keyboards. So that's wow. the Micro Korg, the Micro Korg XL, the Micro Key, 
and the other micro key, so just the two micro key things. So yeah, a whole line of red and black coloured things for a limited time only, available in November. Ho ho! Oh, my birthday's in November. Hmm. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I mean, I, I'm an I, I like Korg stuff, and actually, I I had a uh, an MS two thousand, uh, one of their very early earlier and uh, virtual analog synths. Oh, I loved it. it it's still it's still my, one of my favourite synths because it was covered in in dials and controls and the keyboard was just there and it had the little wooden end cheeks and it just <laughs> it was a great little synth it was the only limitation was that it was only four voice poly and um, I think the microcorgs the first microcorg was the MS2000 but in a smaller box if I'm thinking of the right product am I thinking of the right product it was basically just a a, a small keyboard a smaller keyboard version of the MS2000 engine well, I'll just have to say that that's the case, and if I'm wrong, someone will tell us, and um, I'll get rebutted next week or the week after. But uh, yeah, so, 10th anniversary of the Microcorg, special edition Microcorgs coming out in November 2012. Check out the website, ours and Korgs, for more information. And now, we can move safely into... The plunder. And we and we start with um, we start with one I put in, which is great. I'm starting to get my claws into some of these things. Um, <laughs> yes, um, ad hoc drew my attention to the update of the native instruments machine, which is a uh, a drum, basically it's kind of a more a drum sample library thing, but it comes with this awesome hardware controller as well. Um, and they've... This has come, yeah, the, the machine's come up a few times on the audio podcast, and every time we always say, we're not quite sure what this is, and the main reason for that is that we all dislike going to the Native Instruments website. Um, but this was <laughs> not on there, and it's come with this, this there was a great video in, included in the, the now old news story of that, stuff being updated um, oh yeah the, the video is great the video is basically a chap who I'm informed his name is Jeremy Ellis and he's basically just there like setting up this whole set of grooves on one or two machines and he's just bopping along having such a great time and you can see like the the interfaces because they've got all these colored buttons now I think that might be a new feature with the with the update it does um, look quite nice how when you're changing what it is that you're pads are triggering like you can have different them backlit or different colors and yes yeah, yeah. so you can you navigate in through and it's a, I mean, visual, yeah. as far as the video goes it's a very simple idea you know uh, you know let's build up a track we'll have the guy just do a performance but it's actually very well done the the video it, it kind of keeps you interested there's stuff kind of lights happening on, on in the background and it's all very cool so yeah uh, I recommend definitely heading to uh, the audiopodcast.co.uk website and jam on this video of the um, of Jeremy Ellis working on the new version of the machine go for it <laughs> now the music too free to be expensive too expensive to be free um, I don't want to dwell on this. I never do, but I saw it, and it's—I think it's actually been was written this week. But I put it in the plunder rather than news because it's just another story commenting on streaming services like Spotify and how much they do or don't pay artists eventually via their publishers. And 
Yep, I thought it was nicely written and worth mentioning, but perhaps not dwelling upon. Did you have a chance to read this? Uh, I didn't because I, I looked through the, the notes on my lunch break today. This wasn't in there, so um, okay. I hadn't read that. But I have read the next one, and when I saw the title, I thought, <laughs> going back to the audio <laughs> podcast classic, uh, sound libraries. I thought it was uh, going to be about someone recording the sound of shotguns. The uh, the title of the piece is Shotguns Indoors, a Bad Idea. And I just thought it was going to be someone sampling shotguns and someone firing shotguns at something and like trying to record it. But it's not about that. It's about getting good uh, quality results from using a shotgun microphone indoors. And now, when I saw the title of this and clicked through, that's I did today when I read the title, I had what you said and kind of thought, oh, that kind of looks like we're talking about guns there. But the first time when I saw Shotgun Indoor, I instantly went to to what it is about because shotgun microphones are designed for eliminating background noise and atmospheric noise and just focusing on what is in front of them, highly directional things, and not using them indoors because of all the reflections off of walls. Kind of is something I've never considered, but. From the title, and I got the idea there. There you go. Um, yeah, again, a nicely written article. Very. It's got a good mix of kind of like history and then theory and then general stuff. Not too long. General think. geekiness, I suppose. General geekiness, yeah. Now, all we need to do to take the geekiness up to the next level, to turn it up a notch, is for Scott Hewitt, who I'm sure will listen to this before next week, to actually find a sample library of someone firing a shotgun and put it in next week's show. So, uh, well, we'll see. We'll see if, if, that, if that actually happens. Um, so, there we go. We have made it to the end of this week's audio podcast, the first of the new, se of the new season. Um, uh, I suppose we'll, next week, Scott will be back. I will be unavailable next week because I'll be on a train probably between at this time maybe between London and Bristol something like that um, so I'm not going to be here I suppose you're going to be here Sam I'll be here I don't know where I'll be physically but I will be on Tinterweb recording through the Google Hangout as usual and yeah I'll catch everybody then excellent excellent so um, Episode 69 of the audio podcast. Um, I have been Adam Yanch. And I am Samuel Freeman. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.